now tuned in to the cold hard truth. Cayman's number one hard-hitting live podcast show, where we feature some straightforward conversations on political, social, and celebrity news, and all things happening in the Cayman Islands and around the world. This show was created to give the people a voice and a means of being involved and informed without any filters. Sometimes it gets crazy, but we always keep it real. We bring you the tea piping hot so grab your favorite beverage and join the conversation via whatsapp at 324-1612 email tips at caymanmorrowroad.com now here's your host sandy hill broadcasting live from the beautiful cayman islands I have some important news for you. Interesting news. It's Blake and Darren's Spilling the Tea with Sandy. K-Man's top news headlines of the day from CMR. All right. 
Good morning, Sandy. Oh, new. I wonder what's going on here. Are you there, Sandy? Something happened to our computer. Ah, there you are. It was your mic. Okay. Okay. I'm hoping this is going out on air. That's Sandy. Because I'm making sure. My settings. I'm like, what happened? Yeah, no, and my settings too. I came in, uh, so the power must have done something because I came in and the board was lit up differently. So I could be talking to myself again. It could be just the wrong channel, but I'm sure someone will let me uh, know quite quickly. Um, oh, yes. But yeah, and Tis Blake is, so now we're doing one other thing. We're bringing Blake in because he is broadcasting live. Blake, Hello. are you there? I am here. Can you hear Sandy? Yeah, I can hear Sandy. Modern technology. And you can hear Blake, Sandy? Yes, I can. Look at that. Here we are. So he's broadcasting live at the Rubus, uh, the Jose's Rubus, okay. which is by the airport because it's the finale for the Pure Joy contest. Oh, okay. Yeah. So there you go. I All just right. put my card in, uh, I think it was on Saturday. Yeah. I got two stamps to complete another card. Ah. Yeah, yeah, I got my last one in yesterday, like last night. So fingers crossed. Fingers crossed. Exactly. So I got one in as well. Yep. Okay. Well, we we're all in the running, plus everyone else out there that's listening. So what's going on, Sandy? What was the latest in um? Uh, well, the news? <clears throat> we have two of our um, government officials who have uh, tested positive for COVID. Oh. And two what? Government officials. Oh, really? Yeah. So it must be breakthrough cases because surely they'd be vaccinated. Yes, they are both vaccinated and okay. they both have um, booster shots as of Monday the 13th. Okay. And uh, both have suspected Omicron variants. Wow. Yeah. So, um, but they're fine. They um, are feeling good. Uh, no symptoms. Um, Minister J.E. Banks said he had a little bit of congestion, almost felt like a head cold, but that was about it. And um, Parliamentary Secretary Isaac Rankin says he feels just fine. It shows you no know issues for him. This is. Yeah, it is very contagious. If, you know, that's the thing. Uh, yeah, yeah, that's what they're saying. But good thing he was vaccinated. They were both vaccinated. Yeah, absolutely. So that was a bit of a CMR exclusive uh, yesterday afternoon. Uh, the Omicron cases have gone up to suspected 44. Still four confirmed. I'm trying to figure out why it's taking them so long to get the confirmed numbers. So that's one question that I'm pressing uh, the government for because yeah. that was four since like Saturday <laughs> and it's now Wednesday. Why is it taking so long? We'd like to know. Inquiring minds want to know. Interesting. Um, yesterday morning, Early in the morning, we were saying that there was uh, a structure fire in um, Georgetown down on Seymour Drive, uh, more commonly known as Dump Road area. And um, we had gotten word that it was actually a house that was on fire, but we're happy to report that the um, Cayman Islands Fire Service responded to this fire at 1231 in the morning. And it was actually multiple vehicles on fire uh, in that area and they were able to extinguish the fire before it caused any major damage to residential property. So, we're so no one's house burnt down then? No, we're happy That's to hear that. I mean, yeah. look, you don't want your car to burn up either, but I'd pick my yeah, car you know, my house. So. Definitely take the car within the house for sure. Mm. And the Cayman Islands Blood Bank is in urgent need of um, type O 
positive blood. Mm. So they are asking people to um, step up to the plate and um, to contact them essentially about donating. Okay. So there's O a, positive. Uh, yes, O positive. Okay, I'm I'm B positive. I think B positive or B negative. Yeah, right? I think they're saying anyone yeah. that can give should give. Um, obviously, there's some people who are not um, eligible to give. Yeah. But if you are, then you're being encouraged to do so. You can't say. Um, and you know, anymore. blood only lasts for I mean, anymore. You can't say. Only positive good for a certain amount of time. I think a lot of people do forget this. Blake says you can't say positive anymore. <laughs> yeah. You're O plus. Or O negative. <laughs> that's, that's how we get the rule now in the future. Yeah, you have to say, you have to be more specific with, <laughs> yeah. when you're saying the positive. Yeah. Well, I mean, yeah. So if anyone's out there, I hope they're they're doing COVID tests on people or like antigen tests on people before donating blood. I don't know if you can get you know COVID. What? From I, um, I, I would love to have the blood bank on the program because there's actually a lot of questions I have. Yeah. About that process. Um, so I would assume I mean, that they would. I would know? assume so, but yeah, I'd like to know a bit more. All right. Well, so, um, so yeah, that was an urgent plea that went out uh, late yesterday. And um, in world news, they have a Princess Haya just became one of the luckiest women in the world after being awarded some $750 million. I saw that. What? Yes. So this was because biggest like, ever divorce settlement. Yeah, and like her daughter was in prison, like put in prison or isolation or something, or there was something weird with that whole story. But yeah, divorce settlement seven hundred twenty-four billion million or billion. Uh, million. Million. Yeah, it was. Yeah, yeah a lot of money. Yeah. I mean, um, it would be good. I'd take the million. I'd take one million. <laughs> <Sure>. <laughs> So she is the ex-wife of some super rich uh, Sheikh Mohammed Al Maktoum or something. Maktoum well, or something. Christmas. So yeah, Merry uh, Christmas. One of the world's richest men. Lucky her. Wow. Yeah. Yeah. So Happy she, she hit the jackpot there. Interesting. And she's fairly young, so I think she's still got a good life ahead of her. <laughs> so she gets a lump sum payment of. Um, 251 uh, million pounds, and then she's gonna get um, like incremental payments, I guess, after that. So this is from the UK's High Court on Tuesday, made big news all over the world. Um, yeah, 47 years old. Well, Sandy, uh, maybe your Christmas will be married too. Do you know, are you in on the, the Rubus Pure Joy contest? Yes, I was just saying that I actually submitted my last card on Saturday. Awesome. Well, we're doing the finale. That's why I'm out broadcasting live this morning. We're at Jose's Rubis yeah. for the big finale. Exciting. So everybody, keep your phones on and answer from numbers you may not know, because that could be them calling you to say I you know, want. I, make sure I have mine right here. Yeah. It's not $750 million, but it is $30,000. So Hey, that helps you. Okay. Yeah, that works. Don't look a gift horse in the mouth. Is that what they say? Yeah, absolutely. Pick one. I don't know. I'm, I'm all I'm all for it. Trust me. Yeah. Okay. Oh, cool. Well, uh, Blake will be back in the studio then tomorrow, Sandy. So. Sounds good. Well, chat with you then. Have a beautiful day. You guys have a wonderful day and good luck in the Pure Joy contest over Thank there. You. All right. Bye, guys. Uh, Blake, we're gonna. All right. Pure Joy. That would be a lot of joy, I think, for whoever wins that. Um.
you know what? I, I have a philosophy about this sort of stuff. I figure in the Cayman Islands, uh, as small as this population is, it's really only a matter of time before everybody's a winner. Although the population keeps growing, um, it's a numbers game, right? So the more you um, play, the more likely you are to win, in my opinion. And so, um, you know, yeah, it is, it is what it is. Uh, happy Wednesday to everyone. It is hump day Wednesday. Let me just have a look here. So, um, folks, uh, you've got just a few more days until Christmas. Christmas is on Saturday. So that is today's 22nd. That literally gives you two days to wrap up your Christmas shopping, uh, whether you're shopping for presents or Christmas dinner or whatever. So I'm actually going to be heading out to uh, the grocery store today and um, start my Christmas shopping. Hopefully start and finish. I want to do one trip and that's it. So yes, it's, um, it's going to be good. Um, We'll do some Christmas greetings as well. We do have one from Minister Kenneth Bryan. Um, we do have a little Christmas shout out from Miracle, um, sorry, from Reliable Industries. And who else has sent theirs in yet? So send in your Christmas video greetings, folks. We'd love to um, hear from you all. So yes, I was looking at this, um, this settlement, $700 million, my goodness. What would you do? Um, I'm still way too big on this screen. I still, every time, you know what happens? I do the show and then in the back of my brain, I'm like, yes, I need to adjust my camera. And then it just never happens. I need to put a little sticky note on the computer screen. Adjust that camera. Um, I can step back and that helps, but I wasn't having to step back before. So I'll look at that a bit later on. So yes, her name is um, Princess Haya. She is, get this, the youngest of six wives of Sheikh Mohammed bin Rashid Al Maktoum. He's the multi-billionaire ruler of Dubai, prime minister of the United Arab Emirates and influential horse owner. In other words, this dude is loaded. She's the youngest wife. She's not a bad looking lady, I must tell you. Um, so she's going to be collecting a pretty penny. And um, let me show you her picture. Princess. Is it is the H silent or is it Haya? Haya bint Hussein. Uh, mm. Mm -mm -mm. So she is the daughter of King Hussein of Jordan and um, his third wife. And she's a graduate of Oxford University in England and an accomplished equestri equestrian. So I guess that's how he probably met her going to his horse races and thought, oh, she's pretty. Now she's going to be costing him a pretty penny. So this was the um, the settlement that was given. Now, I don't know about y'all, but um, I am like, you know, 
I would be, if I were her, a lot of that money would go towards security because this prince is probably, um, this ruler is probably really pissed off about having to pay this money and all sorts of freak accidents could potentially happen, right? So um, he seems to spend a lot of time with her as the youngest wife. I don't know, how old is he? Let me see if I can find out how old he is. He looks like he is a bit older than her. Um, and I don't know if his beard is, uh, his beard looks very, very um, well manicured. Did you guys hear about this story? Uh, I don't know if you saw this news or not, where men would go and tie, they interviewed a bunch of men. I don't know where they get these studies from, but they interviewed a bunch of men and a good percentage of them, more than you would think, actually say that they would go an entire year without um, sex in order to grow the perfect beard. I thought to myself, mm, that sounds a little bit different. <laughs> I don't know, um, you know, how accurate that is. But anyway, um, I'm gonna show you guys some pictures of her. So, um, you know, she's been, this has been ongoing, I think, for a while. Like, they've been going over, like, who owns the horse races and all sorts of stuff. Um, so he is actually 70. Mm -mm -mm. See what happens when you marry a young king? She would, I mean, I guess he would have died and probably left her most of it anyway, but um, I have to wonder, she's 46, he's 70. Uh, what, um, what happens in divorces like that when you have more than one wife? Does, do they all share it? Um, presumably he would leave a will, right? And knowing, um, where he's from, he's probably want to leave most of it to, um, to the boys in the family. I wonder how many, she's not 47. I wonder how many kids he's got. I'm trying to find, figure out some of this stuff as on the fly, as they say. Um, so yeah, let me, let me tell you some of the shenanigans that have been going on in their relationship. Um, there's a custody battle over the um, multi-million dollar racehorses. So he's considered one of the world's most successful owners and breeders. Uh, so let me see. She actually represented Jordan in show jumping at the 2000 Sydney Olympics. Mm, interesting. I'm telling you, I'm, I'm sure that's how he met her without even knowing anything else. So they have, um, uh, let me see. Uh, they have a daughter who's 12, a son who's eight. And so it looks like um, they have two children with her. And then he, a four-year-old beatboxer who is apparently, I guess, the horse reportedly that they are fighting over or that they were. I guess that now we'll see what else was given to her in the settlement. 
there's a lot of money in horse racing, apparently. Um, so he has a 64 bedroom Scottish retreat. This is just like over the top wealth that she's obviously come into. I mean, no doubt where she's coming from. Uh, she has, you know, um, money of her own, or she comes from money, I should say. And then she married into even more money. Um, but yeah, he's going to be paying uh, 550 million pounds, which is about $730 million. And it's considered, um, if not the most expensive divorce in British history, definitely at the very top. Um, so he's going to pay out a lump sum of um, 251.5 million pounds to his sixth wife and make ongoing payments for their children who are now 14 and nine, underpinned by a bank guarantee of 290 million pounds. Well, so the children will receive um, more or less than 290 pounds, depending on factors, including how long they live and whether they reconcile with their father. So the settlement includes 11 million pounds a year to cover security costs. Ooh, yes. <laughs> when you get that kind of money, you definitely need some serious security um, for the princess and the children while they are minors. Uh, in November, there was a ruling that um, the family needed watertight security and that absolutely uniquely, which um, they're saying the main threat to them came from Sheikh Mohammed himself <laughs> rather than outside sources. And like I said, I could totally understand why that would be the case. You just took a hundred and what is it? $700 million of somebody's money. It would definitely be cheaper for you to have an accident. <laughs> good morning to Diamond Princess Sapphire. Good morning, Pedro. Uh, good morning, Cece McLaughlin. Good morning, Deanne. Good morning, uh, Diamond Princess is wishing a touch of love in everyone's heart for the Christmas and into the new year. I was trying to find my Christmas um, jingle bell necklace and it has somehow disappeared, which means that my daughter got her hands on it. So um, I need to see where she might've put it. I don't know. She's still sleeping. Sorry, I'm letting her sleep in. She'll wake up probably very soon. Uh, Olivia, good morning. Uh, Wee Wee, how are you? Blair is here. How's Jamaica? Uh, Peter says, Sandy, can you spread and talk about the big problem yesterday with the Havana flight? Oh, I don't actually know anything about the Havana flight. So you got to tell me what's going on. Um, don't forget, folks, that you can always join the program anytime that you wish. You are able to uh, jump in in the conversation. But I've not heard anything about the, Savannah, the Havana flight. So this is news to me. So do tell me. Well, go on, well, go on. Let me remind you guys um, of the link as well to join the show. I'll put it here in the comment section. So uh, Dion, good morning to you. Miss Bonnie is here. Chantel's got it locked. Good morning to Jennifer. Beautiful Carla says, good morning, Sandy and all of Cayman. Oma Devi, how are you? Larry joining us from New York. Uh, says Santa Claus is coming to town. He's right around the corner. Uh, Darius says, I've donated blood multiple times to the hospital and I haven't been asked to be tested prior um, for COVID, I'm assuming. 
uh, and he has O positive. Maybe they don't actually tell you. Like, I think it's one of those things where, um, although I'm not sure how that would work actually, because they do a battery of tests anyway on donated blood, right? And they don't necessarily, you know, tell you about it, but it's part of their standard operating procedure. I'll reach out to the Cayman Islands Blood Bank and see if we can get them on the program. So they can, um, I think a blood drive has to be a constant thing, folks, because like I said, apparently blood has a shelf life. It's only good for so long. Marshall, good morning. Kay, good morning. Uh, tomorrow's your birthday. Oh man, is that a good thing for you to have a birthday so close to Christmas? Uh, were you always being given like one present for Christmas and your birthday? You on Christmas Eve, Eve. Ugh, happy birthday, though. Send us a photo. We'll put it up. Um, thank you, Miss Charlene. Irvelyn is here. So what do you guys think about the, this divorce? $700 million. Uh, coming in January, I have a hot topic for, oh, why is the topic waiting until January? Good morning, Miss Anne-Marie. How are you? Um, Flashpoint said marriage is of little value to men in 2021 and beyond. <laughs> I don't know about that, but um, I do think that when you have um, multiple wives, you probably yeah, don't quite uh, like their, their, their definition of relationship and love is probably different for a lot of different reasons, right? So here's the thing. You tend to, this is the two of them. He doesn't look like a very happy person. He never seems to be smiling. Um, but that, like I said, that beard is something. A beard looks like it takes a lot of time. But actually, he looks good for a man who's 70. Don't you think? 47 and 70. Hmm. That's quite an age difference <clears throat> um, between the two of them. But you know, culturally, she's probably expected to marry rich and she's also expected to marry some old geezer like him. But um, yeah, I mean, he doesn't look he doesn't look friendly, uh, but you never know. Um, so Catherine says she was busy working and she almost missed it. Yes, we're on. We are on. We're on. Good morning, Miss Morna. So uh, this is quite an interesting read anyway. It's just interesting to look at the lives of other people. So Haya fled to the UK in 2019 and sought custody of her two children through the British courts. The princess, again, who's the daughter of the late King Hussein of Jordan, said that she was terrified of her husband, <clears throat> sorry, <clears throat> who's alleged to have ordered uh, the forced return to the Gulf Emirate of two of his daughters forced return does that mean he actually kidnapped them listen they do all sorts of weird stuff in the middle east that i've got to tell you probably in other places in the world it would not be acceptable and in fact it's probably criminal uh but i've, I've seen this happen before and you know what is so crazy is it happens not just for the ultra rich but like an average person of means if they move to the Western world, and especially with daughters, if the daughters start to get out of hand, um, one of the fears that they have is they will extradite them um, 
from the Western world and send them right back into the Middle East where they have less freedoms culturally. So um, he's actually now 72 years old and he's the vice president and prime minister of the United Arab Emirates, which Dubai is part of. And uh, he's also a major horse breeder, as we said earlier. He's on friendly terms with Queen Elizabeth II. Hear this now. Hmm. Haya again graduated from Oxford University. And um, she said that she needed, well, they agreed to be paid 6.7 million pounds to four of her security staff who blackmailed her. Listen to this. Oh, yes, this is what she said. She paid 6.7 million pounds to four of her security staff who blackmailed her over her affair with a bodyguard, selling jewelry and taking money from her daughter's bank account to get the funds. Whoa. So she had an affair with the bodyguard. And then he's probably in on the blackmailing too, I bet you. He probably got a good 2 million out of that 6.7 million pounds. Um, so after learning of the affair, uh, Sheikh Mohammed published a poem titled, You Lived, You Died, <laughs> which Princess Hayat interpreted as threatening. And uh, apparently a separate British family court ruled in October that Sheikh Mohammed had authorized the hacking of her phone during their legal battle. Wow. So Judge Andrew McFarland said that the Sheikh gave his express or implied authority to hack the phones of the princess and her attorneys using Pegasus spyware, which is produced by NSO Group of Israel. Now y'all know Israel is, is one of the um, leaders in security around the world, and that includes cyber security. And I'm sure that means that, you know, um, they have access to all sorts of stuff. So this software is licensed exclusively to nation states <clears throat> for use by their security services. So this shows you again the type of power this man obviously has. He has denied knowledge of the hacking. And um, McFarlane also ruled that Sheikh Mohammed had conducted a campaign of fear and intimidation against his estranged wife and ordered and orchestrated the abduction and forced return to Dubai of two of his adult daughters, uh, Sheikha Shamsa in August 2000 and her sister, Sheikha Latifa in 2002 and again in 2018. So obviously he's got other children. Um, so apparently this divorce settlement eclipses the 450 million pound settlement that was awarded to Tatiana. Ooh, who the heck is she? Uh, Akhmedova, who in 2016 split from Russian billionaire uh, Farkad Akhmedova, um, which at the time was Britain's most expensive divorce settlement. Mm -mm. So the settlement includes um, a holiday budget of 5.1 million pounds, an annual sum of just over 450,000 pounds for the children's staff and around 275,000 pounds for their animals, which includes two ponies and a horse. Mm -hmm. Ahaya was awarded millions to compensate for property loss when she left Dubai, including 13.5 million pounds for jewelry and what the judge called the relatively modest sum 
I've won a million pounds for clothes. <laughs> aye, aye, aye. So it says it's possible, but very rare for financial divorce settlements in England to be appealed. Um, and a statement from Sheikh Mohammed said in a statement that he will always, he has always ensured that his children were provided for. And um, the court had made its ruling on finances and he does not intend to comment any further. Hmm. What a hot mess. Um, so there's a glimpse into the life, folks, of the ultra-rich. I used to talk about them for five minutes out of a day, but let's keep it moving. Their lifestyle has little to no bearing on the rest of us who live in the world of reality, mortgages, CUC bills, car loans. We'll never see a million dollars. We'll never see anywhere near the, the jewelry that this woman has had in her lifetime. None of us have security guards um, and all that sort of jazz. Rich people, folks, rich people problems. Um, Irvlin says, yes, he looks a bit savage. He doesn't look like a nice person. Lily, where are you? You're watching from the cold weather. Good morning to Miss Brenda. Merry Christmas, Merry Christmas. Um, why would she be entitled to anything if she had an affair? Well, I don't know the full story, to be honest. And um, the other thing that occurred to me is I don't know when the affair was. So maybe, and this is just a bit maybe, um, the affair was after they were separated. Maybe the affair isn't what caused the breakdown of the marriage. In other words, I don't really know. Um, <clears throat> so, yeah, I don't know all the all the details, but um, this is a a lot of money. So apparently they got married in 2004 and um, they divorced in 2019 under Sharia law. Um, she divorced, wait, she divorced him under Sharia law. This, is, this sentence doesn't make any sense. The judgment states that she divorced her in 2019 under Sharia law without her knowledge. That must be that he divorced her. Okay, this is a typo in this article, but I'm assuming, again, knowing that part of the world, <laughs> I'm sure she can't divorce him without his knowledge, that he divorced her without her knowledge in 2019. Um, so crazy. So her lawyers had actually argued that in Dubai, her and the children had access to limitless money can you just ponder that for a second? Imagine living in a world where you have access to limitless money. Anything you want, you can get. Houses, cars, travel. There's such a thing as limitless money. Wow. That's amazing. I can't even really fathom what that would be like. Um, how many of y'all could really live this type of lavish lifestyle? Like sometimes we look at these people like, oh no, it's too much. It's an excess. But Imagine if you were born into this, I guess you probably don't really see anything particularly um, different about it. So you'd probably adjust really, really well. But even if you weren't born into it, I'm sure we'd all get used to it in a hurry. Um, she had access to over a dozen luxurious mansions, 400 million dollar or 400 million pounds yacht and a fleet, a fleet of private planes. 
not just one, a fleet of private planes. Oh my God. She used to get 83 million pounds annually for her household, along with 9 million pounds spending money. Mm -mm -mm. Wow. So crazy. <sighs> So remember that settlement money um, that she had to pay those security guards? Apparently she had to dip into her children's bank accounts in order to get it. And she was uh, quoted as saying, I was very frightened <clears throat> when asked why she used money from the children's account. <clears throat> and she said, I was scared. And that was the money that was available in that moment. They've got uh, mansions in London. So she's going to get... Um, 251 million pounds will go towards the upkeep of her houses in London. In 2016, she bought a mansion near Kensington Palace for 87.5 million pounds and then spent another 4.7 million pounds in getting it refurbished. Jeez. So the Dubai ruler has been ordered to make payments that would cover 10 year refurbishment plan or project on the house a 10-year refurbishment plan, and also cover the salaries of five housekeepers. Listen, now, first of all, let me just say this. If I had this kind of money, why am I refurbishing for 10 years? Why not just buy a house that you're perfectly happy with or just build a house which you could probably do in a couple of years? I hate house projects. Am I the only person who hates a house project? A 10-year refurbishment project to me is like pure torture. And honestly, I don't care how much money you have. I just hate being in a construction zone. Although, gosh, I don't know what the square footage of this house is, but she could live in one wing and never know that the other wing is under complete construction, right? But there is something about construction in your home, to me, that just muddles my energy. <laughs> so um, I told you guys, <clears throat> every year I have little projects that I undertake as well as home projects. So I've already made my list for 2022. And um, I've got a few things on there. I'm trying to finish up blinds. Like I've had to incrementally install blinds in my house because the rest of us don't have $700 million. And so even that, like I know I have two sets of windows, like two rooms left to do. And so those two rooms look different than any other room right now with the blinds. And you know, that kind of gets under my skin and just irks me. It's a little bit of like an OCD thing. Like you, you allow little things to like, I hate a house project. Have you ever considered buying a house that was like a renovation house? When we were house hunting, there were some properties. It was like, oh, this is a great price point. But you know, yeah, it's not modern. You'd have to do this to bring it up and you could do this. And I would walk in. My friend Kevin is very good at like, seeing things visually of how you can decorate and how you can redo. And, but I would just walk in and see what was there. Like I'm a realistic person and I would think, oh my God, the headache of it all. I, I just couldn't imagine jackhammering this up and taking out walls. And I was just like, no, Jesus, I can't, I can't. So we end up five years ago getting a house that is, um, new in the sense that no one else ever lived in it. It was a new build. Um, and 
you know, even with that, there's always little house projects you've got to do. We've we've done a lot in five years, bringing it, bringing it, making it a home and bringing it to kind of where we would want certain little things. But major renovation for 10 years. Oh, God, that makes my head hurt. Um, so she says that we always kept it very high standard. That's the amount of people needed to keep it as low as it is now. What a mess. Um, so she gets another 770,000 pounds for the maintenance of her Castlewood mansion in Berkshire. And she's got, um, nearly 400 horse races, sorry, race horses, horse races, um, so they own over 60 race horses for whom she sought 75 million pounds in compensation. Oh, while she was married to the Sheik, she bought nearly 400 race horses. Wow. She said, if I wanted a horse, I bought a horse. This is what she told the court. Wow. Well, I'd like a horse. Can I just buy a horse? Ah. <sighs> uh... So it says during her marriage, because they look at they look at her lifestyle to make a determination of um, you know what lifestyle she needs to maintain. <clears throat> so it says here that during her marriage, the family spent six hundred and thirty-one pounds one summer vacation to Italy, and another occasion, the bill for hotel in Greece was two hundred seventy-four euros. The court said in its ruling, absolutely crazy. She would get money for two weeks of vacation in Britain and to travel abroad nine weeks every year. You see, th these are arrangements, right? When you marry into this kind of money, I guess you probably sign some kind of document. Yes, I get two weeks in Britain. I get to travel for nine weeks out of the year. <clears throat> You're going to give me, you know, a million dollar a month clothing budget. It's just absolutely ridiculous. The annual award for holidays in her settlement would be 5.1 million pounds a year. And then she has a million pounds each for hiring private plane and food expenditure. Wow. A million dollars for leisure. She got a budget for buying her horses, buying toys, grooming and training of unspecified animals. For clothes and jewelry. She said that she was used to being spoiled with lavish gifts during her wedding, during her marriage. So she was awarded 13.7 million pounds as compensation for what she claimed was missing jewelry and clothes. And uh, that was a compromise, apparently, from the 52 million that she was actually asking for. Um, she has couture clothing. Um, she said her collection of couture was worth about 74 million euros. And only the most basic items had been returned to her when she fled to Britain. Mm -mm -mm. Wow. Um, so crazy. Really, really crazy. Anyway, uh, those people have affairs all the time, the men, and still get everything. Yes, Miss Brenda, it's a totally different lifestyle. Catherine, we were just reminiscing, my dear, about the lifestyle of the rich and famous that we will never know anything about. 
Good morning to Louis. Carol says, slightly obscene, uh, really, but so much poverty in the world. Absolutely. And you know what, Carol, um, let me make a point about that. Is I was seeing uh, something in the news yesterday about Bill Gates. And it was saying how right now the ultra rich, so these are people who are like billionaires, right? The ultra rich are um, very, very interested, apparently, in going to the moon. Um, this is their thing. This is what they want to do. <clears throat> but Bill Gates, you know, there's the Bill and Melinda Gates Foundation. They've actually found it uh, funded and founded a number of um, initiatives to try to combat world cancers and other things. And, um, you know, he wants to, instead of joining the space race, as they're saying, he actually wants to... Um, cure or eradicate malaria and tuberculosis. So he's not concerned about spending his money to go to space. So some of the richest men, including um, Elon Musk and Jeff Bezos, who the two, some of the two richest men on the planet, um, they actually are trying to do this whole space race thing. Um, so there's SpaceX, so they're the CEOs of SpaceX and Blue Origin, and they have grand designs like Earth just isn't enough. They want to go out there and mess up the rest of the world, right? So they have big hopes um, about doing that. And so Bill Gates has said he doesn't care about going to space. He wants to help eradicate malaria and um, malaria and tuberculosis. So that is uh, that's his concern, which is. A much more worthy thing, I believe, than trying to go into space and to mess up space um, along with the rest of the world. Did you guys see this video? We posted it up on our page about extinction. I thought it was very impactful. Uh, let me see if I can just put my hands on it quickly. Um, where is it? Where is it? So, yeah, there's a, a number of um, these super rich people, like I said, who believe that if they conquer space, I don't know what it's going to do for their egos, but that apparently is where it's at in their minds. Um, so kudos to Bill Gates. It's so funny because so many of his, um, so many of the, you know, what do you call it? Um, da, 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 da. So, so many of the, um, Okay, mom, I'm coming. So many of these conspiracy theories involve him. And um, it's unfortunate because he actually is, from all um, appearances and from everything that people said, he's a very philanthropic um, individual. So he really um, believes in helping make the world a better place than he left it. And yes, obviously he is super rich and he has tons of money and more than we will ever see. But that doesn't mean just because you have money that you're a horrible person or that you don't care about having the world be a better place. So let me see if I can put my fingers on that video. Uh, I had it. Hmm, I just loaded it up yesterday on Facebook. So I'll see if I can find it. But in the meantime, um, let's have a look at a video called Bobo and TD. This is a PSA about lateral flow tests and how to do them properly. <laughs>
Pepe, what are you making this time? A special elixir to become Pepe the Invincible. Oh boy. Actually, Pepe, we have a job to do. What? A mission for Pepe the Invincible? Okay, so there's a coronavirus test that we can do at home. Yes, we don't need to go to the doctor or hospital. I know, it's a lateral flow test. Correct, lateral flow test, or LFTs. Both grown-ups and kids use these more frequently to help slow the spread of COVID-19 in our community. So, we thought we would help show you how to use it. I agree, we should all know how to do it. And it works like a science experiment. Let's get started. Before taking your lateral flow test, remember not to eat or drink for at least 30 minutes. I think that becomes the most challenging part of the test. I agree. Every good scientist knows to keep our work areas clean and tidy when starting an experiment. So begin by cleaning the space you will use for your test. And if you're doing multiple tests, remember to clean your testing area and wash your hands very well in between doing each test. Use a paper towel to prevent cross-contamination. Cross-contamination. When germs get transferred from one person or object to another person or object. Wash your hands for at least 30 seconds and clean the area you use. Open your kit. Lay out the contents. Make sure you get a box of tissues or some tissue paper. Now, look at the items from your kit. Check to make sure nothing looks broken, missing, or damaged. Read all the instructions for your test before you do anything. We use the FlowFlex test, but most lateral flow test instructions go something like this. Step 1. Remove the foil from the top of the extraction buffer tube. Because tubes can't stand up by themselves, place it into the hole in your kit box. If your kit comes with a tube holder, put it in the tube holder. Step 2. Get the swab packaging. It looks like a Q-tip. Don't touch the soft side with your hands. If you touch it with your hands, the test won't work correctly. Yes, that's right. That soft part will go into your nose, but not very far. Only about one and a half centimeters or half inch. Step 3. Rotate the swab five times brushing it against the inside of your nostril. <laughs> that looks a bit ticklish. Yes, rubbing it against the side of your nose will probably tickle a little. When done with one nostril, use the same swab on the other side and rotate it five times again. Step four. Put it into the tube and swirl it gently for 30 seconds. Step five. Gently squeeze the side of the tube while rotating the swab five times. See, just like this. This gentle squeezing while rotating the swab, make sure you get everything off the swab and into the mixture. When you finish turning it, remove the swab while squeezing the tube to ensure you get everything. Step six, now watch closely. Attach the dropper tip firmly onto the extraction buffer tube. Make sure that it goes on good and proper because you will mix everything thoroughly by swirling and maybe even gently flicking the bottom of the tube. Step 7. Now you'll need the pouch that contains the cassette. Or as I call it, the rectangular results thingy. So 
Take that out of the pouch and lay it flat. Gently squeeze the tube. Put four drops on the specimen well. Like this. Easy peasy. Almost there. Now just set the timer for 15 to 30 minutes and wait for the results. Results have come in. Drum roll, please. I see a red line. A line across the sea means that you have a COVID negative result. That means the test did not find traces of COVID proteins, called antigens, in the sample. A line across the C and the T means that you have a COVID positive result. Don't worry, if you test positive, it just means you need to take care of yourself. Your parent or guardian will let you know what to do. And if they need more guidance, they can always call the flu hotline on 1-800-534-8600. If you get no line across the sea at all, it means that your test did not work properly. That means you have to get another kit and do it again. That line across the sea should always show up. And that's it. All done. Just make sure you clean up and throw all the testing bits away. Wash your hands after the test for at least 30 seconds. And you're good to go. Remember to report your results to your school and follow the directions they give you. If you find yourself feeling worried, sad, or even angry about taking a COVID test, remember you can ask for help. Some people may feel anxious about getting a positive result. Talk to your parents or guardians. You can even talk to your school counselor. You can also call the Mental Health Helpline on 1-800-534-6463 to talk to someone who helps kids with their feelings, like Miss Sophia. Stay, Stay safe, everybody. Thank you for watching. Bye. Isn't that beautiful? I love that video. Thank you to the Cayman Islands Red Cross for um, putting that video together. Uh, very, very useful, I thought, as well. So if you um, folks have any questions about how to do a lateral flow test, that's a perfect explainer video. Absolutely love it. So, um, yes, I must say that, um, you know, this this whole divorce situation seems a bit excessive. Uh, Flashpoint said, why should a man uh, be entitled, or why should a woman be entitled to a lifestyle that was provided by her husband after divorce? She should actually pay back the money that was wasted on her during the marriage. Well, most people are going to argue, you know, he must have gotten something for it. It's sort of a quid pro quo situation. He keeps her in a lifestyle that he is obviously used to and that he expects his wives to live at a certain standard. You know what though, folks, um, it goes both ways because women now, as we um, equal out things and start to perhaps in some instances earn as much money as men, we are also expected to pay um, these ridiculous settlement prices as well. 
And it always bothers me a little bit because historically men have had to take care of their families and wives, and that includes even after a divorce. But it is really interesting that now women are expected once they become the breadwinner to take care of men. And what you find is a lot of these men are just no good men, y'all, that are just looking for um, an opportunity to stay home with the Ke Kevin Federlines or Federlines of the world, right? Where they get with someone like Brittany, um, secure themselves with these anchor babies. And then next thing you know, he's got it. She has to pay him millions of dollars a year to keep his lifestyle going. The, the lifestyle that he briefly became accustomed to because of her. It is crazy, folks. Omar, good morning. All right, so let's talk about um, COVID for a minute. So yesterday we found out that two ministers, well, a minister and a parliamentary secretary tested positive for COVID. So big shout out to um, Jay, Minister Jay Ebanks and Isaac uh, Rankin, parliamentary secretary. They're both COVID positive. Um, not entirely sure where they got it from, folks, but this speaks to how incredibly, you know, uh, transmissible the virus is, and especially the Omicron virus, because they are actually suspected to have Omicron. And listen, folks, it, it really is what it is. I'm not entirely surprised by this, because this is, you know, this is the world that we're living in. So ironically, uh, both men had traveled to the BRAC on Thursday for an emergency meeting with contractors. It was requested by the contractors there. And I'm gonna tell you guys about that a bit later on because that is a very interesting situation in terms of why that meeting was even called. There's some issues with, with uh, getting house plans and even commercial projects approved in the BRAC. And so they wanted to um, sit down with the minister. So the contractors actually sent a petition over and um, got together on that. And the minister went along with his parliamentary secretary to meet with them. So thankfully, they're both okay. Um, you know, Isaac said actually that he's feeling fine. And uh, the minister said that he has a little bit of like, maybe he feels like a head cold or something, a little bit of congestion, but you know, nothing otherwise. Um, and so they're gonna stay in isolation as is required. And then they will uh, get some much needed um, rest, I suspect, over the coming weeks. Kind of sucks that it's happening over the holidays because uh, it will limit their ability to move around. But of course, um, both men, when you think about it, were out and about uh, this weekend for their functions. And, um, you know, they did not test positive because uh, Minister Jay said that he was actually lateral flow testing quite frequently because number one, he was traveling. And then um, upon returning from his travel, his team, uh, which is part of the ministry, they lateral flow test twice a week in any event. So he was doing that. And then in addition to that, you know, um, he had discovered that somebody else was not well. And so they were lateral flow testing because of that as well. So folks, you know, stock up on your lateral flow test. This is my advice to you stock up on your lateral flow tests and just make sure that you have an ample supply of those available and on hand because you just never know when you're going to uh when you're going to need one mm -hmm. it just is what it is 
So we wish them a speedy um, recovery. They both were uh, boosted up. Apparently they went on Monday the 13th to get their booster shots, which by the way, someone was asking me, I said, well, have all the government ministers gotten a booster? Well, listen, I don't know if they all have um, or all the PAC members, but I think that if they're sensible, they certainly will. And um, the vast majority of them, like, you know, uh, Minister Brian was saying yesterday that he actually has his booster because he is traveling to the UK um, for the holidays, probably spending some time with his wife's family. And um, so, yeah, uh, they, you know, it is what it is. So um, let me just have a look here. So yes, we wish them both a very, very um, speedy recovery. And um, hopefully they are gonna be on the men's. All right. Um, we also had, trying to check some headlines yesterday. So we have now suspected uh, 44 cases of Omicron folks. Uh, and I, I kind of explained this yesterday, but I'm going to take the time to really explain it again. When they say that we've got 44 suspected cases, the reason why they're saying that is because they pretty much know that those are that we've got 44 cases. Now, why is it taking so long for them to get confirmation? Um, I don't actually know that question. I mean, no question. I know the question. I don't know the answer. So I am seeking out the answer to that. And, uh, you know, wait, let me find out. Because we, we know, um, we know that, you know, we have four definites uh, and then another 44 suspected. I don't remember if the 44, if the four are included in the 44, but anyway, it's, it's at 44 right now. Um, so I don't know why the lab would be taking so long. Now, somebody else was asking about how do we know? And I saw this question a few times. How do we know that we have um, COVID at all? And um, one way in which we know is that uh, you test for, not COVID, but Omicron, is apparently the same machine that Remember, we had to do like an upgrade or something to test for the Delta variant. Well, this same machine has the capacity to test for Omicron. Um, so I don't know all the technicalities of that, but evidently it can be done. Um, so let me see. So... Um, Yeah, so we can certainly ask about that, but uh, so here's something from CBC News um, that says, CBS News, my apologies, that says that the U.S. was already struggling with limited supplies of rapid at-home testing and long turnaround times for their lab-based testing in recent months. And um, now that the infection, the highly infectious Omicron variant, which is spreading rapidly, and of course having to deal with the winter months, holiday travel, there's a number of reasons why it's gonna be spiking in the US that already has begun to spike. Manufacturers of over-the-counter test kits and labs 
the process more sensitive polymerase chain reaction, which is PCR testing, uh, cannot keep pace with the demand. So the sight of long lines of pedestrians queued up along sidewalks or motorists sitting bumper to bumper in parking lots uh, for hours means only one thing, that people are waiting for a COVID test. Crazy, right? So the Biden administration um, acknowledged earlier this year that it needed to ramp up the nation's testing efforts and pledged to make tests cheaper and more widely available by investing a billion dollars to expand the supply of at-home testing kits. But it says that uh, there's still not enough testing kits to go around as of mid-December. So um, again, they've asked, they said, just ask anyone who's trying to get their hands on an Abbott Labs or Quidel test kit, two popular varieties in recent days and has struck out at multiple major pharmacies across New York City's five boroughs and beyond. So one of the things that was revealed um, yesterday is that the Biden administration um, is going to make test kits available for free. So this is what he said. Let me just, uh, I think he made some sort of statement yesterday. Let me just get this one for you. Um, so the interesting thing about this is even if he makes them for free, I kind of had to think about it. And I thought to myself, that's fantastic, but does that mean that he's sourcing them from somewhere else? Because even if they're, even if you're not paying for it, if you can't get your hands on it, you just can't get your hands on it. And I'm telling you that the supply chain of these lateral flow tests all over the world has been problematic. So even here in the Cayman Islands, when we, you know, broke that story about how the government had canceled the purchase order for the lateral flows test from that company called Blue Waters, um, that was a mistake because they had put down money already. They had guaranteed that, that order. They already had gotten confirmed shipping costs and all this other stuff. And now it seems like, um, I need to find out where that order is actually. But you know, even a delay of two weeks in the world where we're dealing with chain supply issues is considered a significant delay right now. And the price of shipping has skyrocketed folks. Nothing like what people have seen maybe ever. Uh, so it is a bit of an issue, you know? So, I mean, he can offer all the free, I mean, it's great if it's free, but will Americans even be able to get their hands on it? Well, he's saying this much, that if you are vaccinated, um, he's trying to reassure you, get your booster shots, and that you could still have a relatively normal, COVID normal Christmas, um, you know, travel and be with your friends and family members and so on. However, uh, you should know that um, it, it's just it's just crazy getting tests tested and everything else really that goes along with that. So he's gonna give testing kits. He's ordered or he's supposedly purchased half a billion at-home rapid testing kits, and this is what was our unveiled yesterday during his press conference. Uh, so 500 million new tests will be made available next month and will reach Americans through the mail. Hmm, okay. 
So they're gonna mail out some test kits. Um, and he says, to be clear, this is what White House Press Secretary Jen, is it Pass, Passkey, Passy, said, to be clear, we're not sending a test kit to every single home in the country. We're providing an opportunity, another opportunity or ability for people to go to website and request a test uh, if their preference is to get that test to their home. Not everybody will do that, but we want people who want to do that, who want to get tested, who want to request tests that may um, that way to have the ability to do so. So again, the burden is definitely being placed on you to have to go online and to do it. The other day, there was something that was being done online. I saw people complaining about it. What was that again? Help me, help me remember what that was. Um, and there was some complaint about what about people who don't have access to online platforms? This was something, oh, what service was that? And it's like, now it's completely online. Help me out here. My brain isn't picking up on it. Daniel, good morning. Uh, so Daniel says, so there's not any no good women out there um, on both ends of the spectrum, folks. No good men and no good women make the world go round. Um, and listen, I don't know anything about this woman and, Sh and Sheik Shakara, whatever the heck her name is, and the husband situation. I don't know if they're good people. Just because you're rich doesn't mean that you're a bad person. You know, you just were born into circumstances where you're going to have that billionaire lifestyle. Good for them. Um, somebody said earlier that money can't buy you happiness. Well, it can't, but it can sure buy you a lot of other things. <laughs> so... Um, Yes, Flashpoint, they were out on Saturday. So this is a world of COVID, folks. I would suggest, I mean, they would have been wearing their mask and stuff like that. But I would suggest that uh, anyone who was out and about, you know, you sporadically, like once a week, lateral flow test, folks. Uh, that's what it's all about. That's why the lateral flow tests have been introduced and they're supposed to be so particularly useful. Um, Sarah, I don't think it is sent overseas because what they said was that we actually have the same machine that we have here for testing the Delta variant is in fact being used um, to test for the um, Omicron variant as well. So I never got the sense that this was something that needed to be sent overseas. Um, and that was just the comments that had previously been made by, um, I think it was, um, so this is what I've just received um, from someone that knows. This is confirmation takes four to five days to prepare. I don't know what that means exactly. And 30 hours to run through the machine. 30 hours, damn. Um, so we, we've invited the interim um, CMO on the show. And maybe she can break that down a little bit um, for us because I have no clue what that even means. So four to five days to prepare um, what's involved in preparation. I don't know. And it takes 30 hours to run through the machine. So apparently it's not as simple as we all might think. It's not like a lateral flow test, in other words. Um, yeah, so no, it's it's done. It's all done here. Yes, uh, Ms. Brenda, that's a very good question. There were a number of people who reported last night uh, and through the evening hours that the helicopter was up for a substantial amount of time. It was over different areas of Georgetown, Windsor Park, um, close to South Sound. A few people reported it. 
And I honestly have no, no, I haven't heard any reason why. Uh, mind you, um, they might have been an operation underway, or sometimes they do probably just go up to keep an eye on things, you know? And of course, they have to get like flight hours in and all that sort of stuff as well. So who knows? I've not heard anything. And normally you'd hear if there was like something going down. So we haven't heard anything yet. Thank you, Damien and Emma, for reminding me um, of it. It was NAU. Was it the NAU registration process? I'm trying to remember. But anyway, it's, it's something to do with NAU that is now going to be completely online. I saw people commenting and saying, well, this is going to disenfranchise poor people. Well, folks, in case you never got that memo, poor people are disenfranchised no matter what in life, right? We try to make this an even playing field. But the reality of the situation is um, there's no such thing as an even playing field in life. From the minute you are born, before you're even born, you know, your parents are out there conceiving you. Uh, they are bringing you into a world where it's just not an even playing field. And no one should ever tell you that the rules apply to you the same as they apply to other people. We're just talking about the ultra rich. They operate by their own set of rules. Siobhan says, give me the money and let me find out. <laughs> when it comes to happiness, she's like, let me let me test out that theory about money not being able to buy you happiness. You always notice that it's always the poor people that say that. I never really say, I don't see rich people talking about, oh, money doesn't buy you happiness. Child, they they keeping their lips sealed. The ultra rich don't even talk about money in their circles. You know, that's how they roll. And that's a totally different lifestyle. And they just don't talk about it. It's when you don't have money that you're probably a little bit more concerned about it, obsessed about it, and you think it can't buy you happiness. Those are the things, to be honest, that you have been taught to say to yourself to make it okay to not be ultra rich. Some rich person probably came up with that just to placate the rest of us. Like, oh, there, there, you'll be okay. You don't have any money, but it doesn't buy you happiness anyway. Don't worry about it. Well, it's buying me everything else in the world. <laughs> but um, all jokes aside, yeah, that is pretty crazy. Miss um, Brenda says, for some people, money is a business. Absolutely. For the ultra rich, it is It is a business. Believe me, you. And that's why most of them, don't, they don't marry poor people. You notice that money people marry money people. Uh, they keep it tight in their circles. And um, there are differences in when you have access to money your entire life and you grew up in that lifestyle versus someone who hasn't. And to be quite frank and honest, most rich people, they don't want the headache, even if you fall in love with someone who doesn't have money, they don't want that headache of having to hustle and, and to live a different lifestyle. You guys saw the whole situation with the princess of Japan, how she gave up her royal title and you know millions of dollars and everything else to go and marry a commoner. He is a lawyer, apparently, in New York. And the two of them have recently moved to New York after she got married. And apparently a lot of people in Japan are upset with her because she's refusing to accept this um, system where women are still very much second-class citizens, and they, especially the women who are part of the royal family. And they are expected to marry royalty and to do certain things and, I guess, semi-arranged marriages and whatever. And she fell in love with a guy that she met at university. And she's like, nope, I'm not going to play this game. I'm going to do my own thing. And she's basically left her riches behind in the pursuit of happiness. Uh, we'll see how that works out for her. But, you know, people have to, they've got to do it their own way. So Emma says... Uh, that was my thought when I saw it. How many people that need NAU 
that don't have the ability to even use a computer, not trying to be negative, just realistic. I'm assuming that line is still there for those. <clears throat> so let me let me say something about this. Um, I've, I kind of feel I'm of two minds when it comes to this, because listen, during COVID, we all recognize very, very quickly the necessity to be connected. Like you're in lockdown, you're going nowhere. Education, our kids all of a sudden, oh, wait, most of them don't have laptops, right? They have no access to the internet and all this kind of stuff in order to be able to do their homework assignments, to learn, <coughs> sorry, <clears throat> none of that stuff. Um, and that presented some real world issues. Most of you had to work from home. So, you know, if you worked for certain companies, say you were part of, you know, Maples and Calder or whatever, they could afford to send you home with a computer and to get you set up. But then there were other people, you know, their jobs were expecting them to do work at home. And they're like, oh, yeah, do you have a laptop? It's like, really? So the realities of it, folks, <clears throat> is that um, without a doubt, you know, more and more, more than ever, we are going into a time and an era where uh, online access is something that we're all going to have to need. Now, most most people have a phone, and depending on the the user friendliness of the website, sometimes you can um, fill out these applications online. But when you have to be uploading documents and you be scanning stuff, it gets a little bit more complicated, right? To put it mildly. So I'm hoping that to bridge that gap, what NAU is actually offering is the ability for people, even at their facility, to sit at a computer workstation and fill out the necessary forms with the assistance of some people there. Um, you know, I'm hoping that's being done. <laughs> I don't really know the rollout of it. And NAU is one of those departments I feel that is always uh, like just shrouded in a little bit of like secrecy. Like you never know what they're doing and what's going on with them. Uh, whoever runs that department doesn't actually ever really talk to the public hardly ever. Um, and I think that this is a mistake that a lot of government agencies and departments make people just want information. Like, I don't know why y'all need to pretend like everything is a top secret situation. Just tell people, you know, what is going on. So the needs assessment unit, I mean, that process should be very transparent. People should know how it works and what's required. Um, <clears throat> but, you know, it, it doesn't seem to quite work that way. So Ms. Sue says money sure helps in our lives to help the world go around. Listen, like I said, only poor people talking about money doesn't buy you happiness. People who have money, and when you think about it, Ms. Sue's always complaining about, you know, healthcare. It's the simple things in life <clears throat> that you have to worry about um, when you don't have money. Did you guys see that article that we posted last night about uh, this mother who had a premature baby? She had a, a baby that was premature by two months. Uh, the baby actually came unexpected, came early. This is in the U.S. And um, the baby had to, as a result of that, need some really inten intensive medical intervention and was in the NICU for two months and it needed all sorts of, you know, things. And she, quite shockingly, ends up with this half a million dollar bill. And you know what? It's not so shocking because I'm going to tell you something. 
you guys know that my daughter was one month early. She was a preemie. And she was a perfectly healthy preemie. Like there was nothing actually wrong with her. But <clears throat> she was still preemie. And so as a preemie, you got to keep them in the NICU. You got to keep temperatures at a certain level. The first week she was on supplemental oxygen. Um, around the clock care, you know, making sure she's breathing okay, checking her vitals. They always had a little little monitor on her little toes, um, you know, constantly feeding, changing, turning over, burping, the whole nine yards. The NICU team, big shout out to them here at the HSA because I think they all do a wonderful job, but that's 24-7 care. And then every time your doctor comes in for even five minutes to look at the baby to make sure the nurses are doing a great job, that's another bill. So when you get a bill, when you're in there, like the average, based on my experience, and mind you, like I said, this is a baby who actually was just tiny. She just came early. She was tiny. They looked at her like, okay, we don't see anything obvious. They did some of the standard testing on Gianna. Eh, nothing extraordinary. Just keep an eye on her. And, uh, you know, we got to get her to, to eating and to sucking properly so we can make sure she puts on a little bit of weight before she can go home. $30,000. So basically, it's like $1,000 a day. So, you know, when people sit back and they talk about, oh, money doesn't matter, it doesn't buy you happiness, whatever. One thing I do know, money may not buy you happiness, but the lack of money can buy you a lot of stress in life. <laughs> and a lot of, you know, people people die because of lack of money. Um, you know, people um, die because they can't get proper access to healthcare because they have no money. You know, these are the things that are absolutely crazy. So this woman gets a, uh, this is a story that I saw on NPR. She gets a half a million dollar, over half a million dollars um, bill. And um, just crazy because the company expected her, here, here, this is where the story goes a little bit off the rails. The company, uh, the medical facility, and I think she actually worked for this is the part that was really a bit unusual for me. She actually worked for an insurance company because she's a um, property. She's on the property insurance side, right? So she was part of a group. Thought she had great insurance because she's part of this insurance group. And the hospital that she was at was actually a nonprofit hospital as well. Well, anyway, nonprofit or not, a Christian hospital. Um, they sent her a bill, folks of over how much was it over half a million dollars and then in their attempt to help her and her family out right they put them on a payment plan and folks the payment plan is forty five thousand uh eight hundred and forty three dollars per month that was their idea of a payment plan. This is some company called Advent uh, Orlando in Orlando, um, part of the Advent Health System, which is a large nonprofit and faith-based group of healthcare providers, locations across Florida and other, other places. So she got a bill for $650,000 for the baby's NICU time. And um, her responsibility, her portion of the bill, and they said, okay, this was insurance at uh, Snafu. 
but they sent her bill saying, oh, your portion of bill is $550,000 and $124, whatever. Really? And they gave her an installment plan option of 45000 almost $46,000 per month. I don't know what she makes in insurance, but honey child, if she takes home that much after taxes, that would be amazing. You know, and this is the shenanigans that people have to endure. This is what this is what people have to put up with. And I'm telling y'all, we sit back and we say money can't buy you happiness. Imagine the stress level of this family trying to figure out how to pay a bill for this baby over half a million dollars. The things that they might have been saving towards, um, you know, his future, um, making sure he gets into decent school, that he can have a better quality of life is now severely impacted because he comes, he enters this world and is now attached to debt. Isn't that crazy? It, it, it honestly blew my mind when I saw this story. Let me share a little picture of him. He's so cute. Um, there he is. Poor little thing. You come into the world with debt of a, a million dollars and um, half a million dollars going into a million dollars. And now you see why when we talk about the fact that there are no even playing fields in life and there's a real disparity that happens, folks, this is what I'm talking about. How is this little boy right? Supposed to have a fighting chance in life when, when he and his family are now responsible for paying this kind of debt. How, how do you get out of something like this? Like it, it just boggles my mind. I sit back and I look at this and I think, wow, this is crazy. And these are the situations that we're born into folks. We're not born into some Sheikh Kasha Muhammad, blah, 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 in the United Arab Emirates family where, you know, you get the best medical care available to you. Money is no issue. Anything you want, you get, whatever. No, we are, we are laden with debt from the second we are born into this world. And then the system is designed to make the rich richer and the poor poorer. And if you don't believe that, there's another interesting article that I was reading over the weekend. Um, it was quite a long article, so I didn't get to finish reading it. But um, it was talking about how there's a program. Let me just see if I can find it here. There was a program of these people um, purchasing homes, foreclosure homes, right? And again, the rich getting richer because they see an opportunity to make money. So they're purchasing these foreclosure homes and they're able to do so because of, um, this, is a, this is the title of this one. You got to read this. This was in the ICIJ, the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. And uh, it says that these homes were being purchased um, by a bunch of billion, it's a billion dollar investment venture. A bunch of rich people get together and they put this together. And so they're building all the, they're purchasing all these homes in these American suburbs, right? Uh, prices, some houses, you know, below the $200,000 mark. And what they're then doing is they are renting them to people who otherwise um, might not have access to homes, but guess what's happening? The prices are creeping up. They're pushing people out. Yes, these people can't afford a home, 
but now you're charging them ridiculous amounts um, of rent. Uh, a lot of these people are not the nicest, like their landlords and stuff like that, and the property managers, kind of like the Trump family, because that was the business that they were in as well, right? So listen to this. Um, over the past six years, this is some of the world's wealthiest people bought in on the scheme, right? Over the past six years, 19 of the 32 two homes um, on Tammy Suleen have been purchased by a billion dollar investment uh, venture, which is part of an unprecedented flow of global finance into the American suburbs. This is something y'all need to be paying attention to. Less than 10 years old, the company has amassed one of the nation's largest portfolios of single family um, homes, uh, renting them to families who cannot afford to buy the entry level homes. So they're considered entry level. And then when you see what they do to them on the rental side, it really makes you wonder. It goes on to say that the venture, which is called Progress Residential, acquires as many as 2,000 homes a month. And you see, this is why governments need to be paying attention to what's happening, because at some point they got to step in and say, hold on, is this a monopoly? Like, what's going on here? So they're acquiring as many as 2,000 homes a month with a computerized property search algorithm. Y'all talking about people who don't have access to computers? Well, guess what? The rich have access to computers. They can build specialized software that can do all sorts of things. And in this instance, this computerized property search algorithm um, searches for these homes as they hit the market. And so they buy them very, very quickly. And they also offer all cash offers. So you know in the US, uh, if a property goes up, you make an offer. Um, one of the things that's very, very attractive to sellers, if you say it's an all cash offer, we can pay you cash. We don't have to go through financing. We don't have to wait in a bank 90 days, 60 days, whatever, to approve a loan. We can give you cash. Boom. It's a closed deal. And who in their right mind is like, whoa, I'm selling my house for 200 grand. Um, we can do this closing in two days at 200 grand. So they offer rapid all cash offers. And that is very, very enticing to the people who are selling it. And the people who are selling it, we're talking about the money makes the world go round. They're not thinking, oh, right, this is some rich company who's going to then use my property to take advantage of people. They're not business with none of that. They just want their household. Thank you very much for my cash. I'm out of here. So Progress Executives, uh, they're boasting about the company's efficient management practices. Um, and this has been a boon to their tenants. Well, according to some previously undisclosed documents, listen to this now again and dozens of interviews with renters and former employees, Progress Residential has been bringing up substantial profits for wealthy investors around the world while outbidding middle-class home buyers. Hmm? Okay. Um, so they are outbidding middle-class home buyers and subjecting tenants to what they allege are unfair rent hike um, prices, shoddy maintenance and excessive fees. Okay, just a minute. Um, so um, you guys have got to check this out. Uh, this lady who's an Amazon warehouse worker has said that there's just no human decency. Um, you know, she lives in one of these homes with her husband and 10 year old daughter. And she says the company regularly failed to fulfill ordinary maintenance requests. Really? 
you use some billionaire company and you can't even fix things for your tenants. Like this is just ridiculous. Um, so she said that it addressed within five days, most of the 37 work orders that she submitted, but she said most of the time it didn't fix what was needed. And it took several months for the company to repair a leaky water heater. Just unbelievable. Such low standards. And, um, uh, she also says that the firm levies a profusion of fees that take advantage of regular people working paycheck to paycheck. Mm -mm -mm. So, of course, they're defending themselves and the treatment of tenants, saying that it rents and fees are in line with industry standards and market rates um, and that they in adhere to federal eviction moratoriums because, you know, there was a moratorium during COVID where in the U.S. you couldn't evict people, but I think that is now going to be lifted as the economy starts to supposedly return to normal. Um, I don't know, but these are the things that you need to these venture capitalist projects that you need to keep an eye on. And also I think that, you know, um, governments need to keep an eye on it. So some of the information about this New York based investment firm came to uh, light as a result um, of the Pandora Papers. Remember that huge leak of papers that came out and was shared with the Washington Post um, through the International Consortium of Investigative Journalists. So the Pandora Papers, folks, uh, was a trove of offshore financial records. And in that, it showed um, their business plan and some of the stuff, some of the documents that the investors had. Um, so it said that this is what one of their documents said, right? So basically the plan sought to exploit the 2008 housing crash, which forced millions of homeowners into foreclosure and left a glut of cheap houses for sale. The financier's plan called for buying up tens of thousands of these properties at depressed pricing and renting them to families who had lost their homes or because of tightened lending practices could no longer qualify for a mortgage. And in their uh, their pitch memo, it says, the venture would capitalize on the severe distress in the residential real estate market in the United States. To raise money for the project, they sent confidential invitations to people wealthy enough to put up at least $2 million. Executives projected annualized returns of 15 to 20%, according to their 238-page solicitation to investors in 2012. In return, uh, Pritium Partners raised more than a billion dollars and the resulting real estate venture became Progress Residential. Here, this one now. You know, okay, man, name always gonna be in the mix. Among those who profited from America's housing crash, according to the documents, was a Cayman Islands trust funded by one of Canada's most powerful political donors, Stephen Bronfman, whoever the heck he is, um, an heir to the billion dollar Seagum Spirit fortune. Oh, yes. Another was uh, Vikrant Bargava, who co-founded an online gambling company that debuted on the London Stock Exchange, valued at $8.5 billion. They made, they made legal representations, the company, um, to such foreign investors would have limited exposure to US taxes, according to tax experts. 
While the documents do not identify most of the other investors, they show that an outsized uh, share of the potential profit was earmarked for Donald R. Mullen Jr., who is the founder and chief executive of Premium Partners and others in the firm. So Mullen is well known in financial circles for his tenure at Goldman Sachs, where he helped oversee the firm's lucrative bet against U.S. housing and, mor and mortgage markets ahead of the 2008 crises. So folks, the bottom line here is uh, money gets you access to a lot of things. It gets you access to, um, you know, just other rich people and um, ideas and, and more access to investment schemes and so on. And so th this, is, this is some really serious stuff. And when you consider properties are being acquired um, at an unprecedented rate all over the world, so this is a little picture here of this neighborhood, Cayman isn't far off from some of these situations. You know, there are people who are acquiring lots of property and lots of land and lots of companies. And it does leave you to wonder, um, do you just allow, I mean, it's, it's a double-edged sword. You know, private sector will say government has no business meddling in their affairs. And, um, you know, government doesn't do a good job anyway of mandating certain things. And maybe they should just leave the world alone to work in the way in which it works. But if there's no one watching out for the poor people and there's no one, you know, putting processes in place that don't allow someone to take advantage of someone else, just because they're a millionaire or billionaire, uh, that's when you have all of these inequalities that are happening around the world. And inequalities, because you have money, creates chaos in many other ways. I've been talking a long time. Let me see some of your comments. Um, let me see. So Damien, um, Ms. Sue says, yes, we need money um, to have nice home, clothes, food on the table, just normal things for life. Um, Emma says, yes, it's a necessity, but some of the happiest people she knows are poor. Um, maybe that's because the, the other saying that's interesting in life is ignorance is bliss. So you don't miss what you don't have, <laughs> right? If you don't have it, you just don't miss it. You don't know anything about it. I suppose that's entirely possible. Uh, Damien says being rich has to do with showing off your money through material objects, being wealthy, is to invest and not spend it all on material things. So Damien um, drawing a distinction between wealth and being rich. I think a lot of the wealthy people, um, it's funny when we think that they don't show it off, but I think it depends on how they acquire their wealth. And if it's multi-generational wealth, um, it showed off in you know private schools and private jets and that sort of thing. So they, they live, but it is, it's discreet in the sense that you don't know who they are. So they're not on Instagram laying down on their money and flashing their private jets, whatever. They just live their lives, right? So they don't, they don't seek attention. I think what ends up happening, Damien, is when someone comes into money and they never had it before, so they were poor and they become, you know, world famous football player or they become a rap artist or certain lifestyles, especially in the entertainment business, they flaunt their wealth. Uh, you know, what's what's the one boxer's name, the, the idiot boxer, Mayweather, who's always, 
showing off all his money, May money or whatever they call him. He's all over the place showing off his money. A fool and his money will soon part, right? Another one of Lottie's, Aunt Lottie's pearls of wisdom. That's because those people are not used to nothing. That's why they go on like that. They get a couple million dollars and they think that they've made it on easy, easy road. And, um, you know, so they show it off. They want the attention. Most people with money don't want no attention because they, they don't want to draw unnecessary attention to themselves for more reasons than one. But when you've never had it before, you're of a different mindset, you see? So um, Miss Sue talks about their insurance uh, for retirees. Miss Charlene says the officers, including the management. What on earth do we have going on here? Ms. Okay. Look at what my daughter brings to me asking this morning if she can have her breakfast. She had some cereal and then she brings me cookies. How many cookies are on this plate, young lady? <laughs> Two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven. Eleven cookies. And you think mommy was going to say yes to this request? Yeah. Yeah? Did you eat any of these cookies yet? Okay. So you put the cookies on the plate and you brought it to me. At least you asked, which is good because we've talked about taking food without asking. And you think I'm going to say yes. Have I ever said yes to cookies for breakfast before? Yeah. Uh, really? Yeah. No. We don't eat cookies for breakfast. Yes. No, we don't. Yes. No, we don't. Yes. <sighs> the short answer is no, ma'am. You cannot have cookies for breakfast. No. No, 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 no. No, 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 no. no. Can we just hug it out? No. No cookies or breakfast? No. <gasps> I know what you can have. Guess no. what? I'll give you a guess. If you guess right, you can have some cookies this afternoon. So what do you think you can have for breakfast? Mm. Three things. <laughs> Definitely not cookies though. Three things. What do you think it is? Um, um. Come on, let's guess. What do you think? An apple. Apple. No. What else? Strawberries. Yes, you can have strawberries. Kiwi. No, we don't have any kiwi right now. <laughs> uh, yogurt. No. Or cantaloupe. No cookies. No cookies for breakfast. No cookies. Oh, where's Santa? Hmm. <gasps> my phone is ringing. I think it's Santa. Uh-oh. Let me see. Hold on. Oh, yes. I do hear my phone ringing. Wait a minute. Wait a minute. I am pretty sure that that is Santa that's calling me. Hold on. Let me see what Santa wants to say. Where are you going? Eat cookies. No, we're not eating cookies, but... <gasps> can I have one cookie? No, you can't even have one cookie. Okay. I think I think Santa's calling me. Hold on. Um, Wait, wait, wait. He's got a message. And then I can have a cookie? No. <laughs> I'm not so sure that that's what Santa's message is going to be. Oh, wait, here he is. 
Who's that? Who's that on the phone? It's Santa, everybody. Santa's calling. You want to answer the phone? No. Well, I'm going to answer it. Hello there. Merry Christmas. It's Santa. I know who you are. You do? You are Gianna, aren't you? Gianna? Yeah, Santa. I've been watching you from the North Pole lately. Found out that you haven't been eating well. I'm a bit disappointed. How does Santa know? I want you to promise me that you will eat well from now on and eat all your veggies. Will you promise? Unicorn. Say that again. A unicorn. A unicorn, Santa. Okay, I got it. <laughs> Please keep your promise, and I will see you very soon. Merry Christmas and Merry bye -bye. Christmas. <laughs> bye, Santa. Bye. So you promised Santa that you would eat vegetables and eat healthy. So how about if we have some? Folks, there will be no cookies for breakfast. Uh, what a hot mess. Cookies for breakfast. Not even to me going to go for cookies for breakfast, although I'm going to tell you they look tempting, but no. It is 9 o'clock in the morning. Oh, an apple. Yes. Right. Oh, you can lift the whole apple. You're getting strong. Um... Can you eat it without me cutting it? Oh, Lord. Now she's going to go and get everything out of, the, out of the... Okay, okay. We clearly need to take a quick commercial break. Let's do a message from uh, Minister Brian, and we'll be right back after we sort out with some more food. She must be hungry. Season's greetings to all my fellow Caymanians and to all those who are visiting the Cayman Islands at this special time of year. The festive season is here, and some people are saying, wow, Christmas already. Well, for some others, it seems like Christmas has taken its time to finally come around. Whatever your perspective, one thing's for sure, and that is, Christmas just wouldn't be Christmas without our family and friends around us. To laugh and joke and eat some good festive food. And to be honest, that's the best part of Christmas for me. As you prepare to enjoy the traditions of the special season, I ask that you remember that for some of our friends and neighbors, it's been a long and challenging year. So please, let this holiday season once again be the time where our spirit of Cayman kindness, which we're well known for all over the world, overflow into the hearts and homes of those in need, so that they too, especially the children, can have a very Merry Christmas. As this year draws to a close, thankful to God that we've made it through these struggles and can look forward to 2022 with hope and optimism. On behalf of my family and the staff at the Ministry of Tourism and Transport, I wish everyone, especially my constituents in Georgetown Central, a joyful Christmas season and I pray that the new year will bless you all with health, happiness and prosperity. With that being said, Feliz Navidad, Malagayan Pasco and Happy Holidays. And remember, please share this message with your friends.
All right, good folks, no cookies. We're having some apples, some yummy, yummy apples. Uh, <laughs> Woo, what a mess. Uh, Flashpoint says political corruption is why healthcare costs are so high. Uh, lots of reasons, but that certainly doesn't help. Um, Roger says, I'm not a communist, but certain aspects of communism do have merit. You know what, though? Even with communism, the rich always are at the top. So I don't know of any system where really the rich, what ends up happening is politicians um, and the socialist system, I think that the politicians will use it, use the wealth for themselves and then pretend like they're evenly distributing it for the benefit of the people. But always at the top, it's the people with the cha-ching. Um, Siobhan says, that's what happened here with Sariba. And I've heard some complaints about people in banks doing that where they will have access to information on foreclosures and they are being permitted to purchase and acquire um, property that otherwise that's like insider trading they would have no knowledge of. And I must tell you, I'm still waiting because somebody has mentioned it to me and I said, send me the documentation. Show me the proof of what you're saying because that's the kind of story that we want to expose. Um, you know, but we we can't expose that without something to back that up. Because you know who's behind is on the line when it comes to being sued. So bring your allegations, but with your allegations, you've got to bring the evidence as well. Um, uh, Siobhan thinks that that company might be registered in Cayman. Anything possible, child. So, uh, yep, entirely possible. There's another guy yesterday who was sentenced, or a couple of days ago, was sentenced to eight years, some New Zealand fund, and it was domiciled here in the Cayman Islands. I mean, this is, you know, we offer offshore, we're an offshore jurisdiction that offers um, lots of uh, options for these people who are trying to be smart about what they do with their finances. And listen, if the system allows for it, it's not like they're necessarily doing anything criminal. Um, but it's just amazing how the system doesn't allow for a lot of other things that would benefit people down at the bottom of the totem pole. So Siobhan says at least she's asking, yes. One thing I've realized is as she gets taller and can crawl on stuff and has access to certain things, we really need to like uh, relegate the top shelf in the fridge for certain things now. Uh, we have one of those four door fridge. I don't know what they're called design wise, but before she could only get to the bottom ones. Now I've noticed she can open the top ones and get to like the very bottom shelf. So the two, the two top shelves, I'm like having to stick all the things that we don't want her to get into. Um, she's technically not supposed to open the fridge without asking, but we all see that doesn't work very well. I'm trying to think where those cookies came from. I've got to check and see where they're being stored. Thank you, Miss Jennifer. Thank you, Christine. Uh, oh, yes, Miss Mona. Lots of that in her head. Um, tomorrow she'll go see Miss Rocio to get it all dolled up for Christmas. No, Siobhan. <laughs> we cannot give that for breakfast. Not this early in the morning. Then she's going to end up like me. 85 pounds overweight. Uh, yes, Miss Brenda, when you get a sweet tooth, have a little fiber with it, make it. She loves apples, though, I must say. She really likes apples a lot, so they're easy. Um, <laughs> Y'all have no self-control. Here, Miss Sue, she did ask. 
I know, right, Sharon? That was a ploy, I do believe. Uh -uh. Temptation is real when it comes to food. Uh, but you know, you got these these eating habits that we all grew up with that were not the best. You gotta you gotta break the cycle there too. Bear fools along Seven Mile Beach. Oh gosh, what a mess! Who's having um, cookies for breakfast to your son? Oh my gosh! You see, you always say just start with one, and then there it goes bloop, down the drain. You start with one, and you can't stop. Um. But yes, so let's, um, Dion, thank you so much for joining the program. I also want to say um, that our brothers and sisters are um, in, of the Filipino community having a really difficult time um, because there was a major typhoon that actually hit and... Um, Listen, this is some serious business because this typhoon has killed uh, hundreds of people. So the Filipino community are um, getting together. And of course, they need the support of others in the community. I'm hoping that maybe we could have them come on the program at some point tomorrow so we can inquire as to what is it that they actually do need or help with. Uh, but I understand that this typhoon was devastating. I'm just trying to see if I can get some details on it. We did report on the typhoon and CMR, and it's killed, um, I want to say, is it over 500 people? It's some crazy. Over 390 people thus far have been killed following Super Typhoon Ray, uh, known locally as Odette. So this has been very, very devastating for um, this particular region in the Philippines. And we did receive some video footage and stuff. Uh, they were looking at 160 mile per hour winds, which is equivalent to category five storm. And it is the 15th typhoon to hit the Philippines this year. 1515. So it made landfall on the, uh, I think it's pronounced Siargo Island on Thursday. And uh, they tried to do some preemptive evacuations and storm prep, which began earlier in the week, but millions were left vulnerable. They just had nowhere to go. So it ripped down homes, trees, power lines, heavy rain, widespread flooding, landslides, the works. So it has really devastated a number of communities and left hundreds of thousands of people homeless as a result of the storm. So let me see how we can go about um, having someone on the program to talk about the devastation of the storm and how people here in the Philippines, uh, people here in the Cayman Islands can assist uh, those persons in the Philippines as well. But from the looks of it, the storm was um, extremely devastating. I mean, we've survived a Cat 5 storm, right? So look at this, we know uh, on some level, what this is like. And yet we were still um, incredibly fortunate, right? So, so crazy. Um, so Siobhan is still making an argument here that says she had breakfast. Well, she didn't quite finish it. 
So I think that that was part of the problem. Big shout out to the employees over at uh, Reliable Industries and Reliable Supply. Merry Christmas. They're sending Christmas greetings um, to everyone. Also big shout out over at uh, Small Deals. Tis the season to get all your stocking stuffers at Small Deals Outlet in the Thompson Building in Central Georgetown. We have some awesome specials on for Christmas, including fashion handbags, kids' bubble handbags, headphones, dancing cactus, and face shields. There are too many fantastic novelty and unique gift ideas to mention. Stop by today and visit us or browse our online catalog at smalldealsoutlet.com. Call today for any questions at 746-5072. All right. So, um, happy birthday. Um, happy birthday. Merry Christmas to, um, all of, um, our friends and family all over the world. Unfortunately, like I said, it's not going to be the best of Christmas for some people who are having to deal with things like a typhoon, for example, uh, just not fun. Um, Yes, thank you, Dion. Uh, Your comment actually reminded me. Um, So there's another one that they're looking at. Oh my gosh, are you kidding me? Ugh, so crazy. Uh, So Siobhan says her son would want cookies too. Listen, there's a lot of things they want, Shell, but we got to say no. So Sunny says that uh, we will have a telethon tonight at 7 p.m. through Facebook. Uh, the Cayman Bayanan group, uh, YouTube channel, and at their Facebook community group. Okay, so folks, tune into that. We do have, unfortunately, uh, at 7 o'clock, a show here as well. So we will have premiere access um, where the premiere comes on the program from 7 to 9 to answer your questions. So make sure you actually tune in for that, please. Ho, ho, ho. It's that time of year again. Christmas is right around the corner, and you do not want to delay. Because of COVID-19, there are numerous logistics delays expected. Give yourself the gift of a true Christmas miracle by planning ahead with Miracle Brokers. Whether you're moving halfway around the world or ordering a new car for your loved one, contact Miracle today at 949-5989. The Cold Heart Truth now has your premiere access with Premier Panton. Hello, everyone. This is Wayne Panton. Come and join me on Cayman Mar Road's premiere access every other Wednesday at 7 p.m. for a frank and open Q&A session. I'm here to answer your questions about the issues that concern you the most. Tune in to YouTube and Facebook Live on Wednesday. We will see you there. Full transparency answering your questions down to earth accountable and accessible to who matters you don't miss premier access on the cold hard truth spilling the tea like no one else All right, folks, so again, uh, Premier Wayne Panton will be joining us this evening from 7 until 9 p.m. Uh, for your questions, 
So do give us a call on the program. We'll be here. Uh, Diane says, good morning, um, the Cayman Islands. Uh, and Sandra, you're doing a great job. Merry Christmas to you all. Thank you so much. Miss Sue says, very, very sad. Um, big part of my life, never forgotten. Yeah. And we actually survived it in a way that I think, you know, we, we went through a lot, but at the same time, folks, we uh, were still so incredibly fortunate. I mean, it was something that I will certainly never forget, but time has a way of easing memories. Like it's been, how many years now? Has it been 15, over 15 years? And it doesn't seem as bad until you start to go back and you look at pictures and you're like, oh my God. So your memory smooths over certain things, I think, that may have been traumatic in order to just get you into survival mode. So um, very, very crazy. Let me check the WhatsApp. <laughs> um, someone just replied and said, I had cookies and coffee for breakfast. Tell her to come and see me. <laughs> oh my gosh. Uh, the U.S. may have had its first Omicron death. Someone is sharing that with me this morning as well. So we'll look into that. Um, <laughs> so someone says, uh, I'm willing to post a missing dog for me. Yes, send the picture. Um, hopefully they've got a picture. I'm always surprised at people who don't, who don't have photos of their dogs. I was always taking pictures of Coco. Um, so someone was saying that there's a local grocery store that has, uh, what do they have? A giveaway program online and the less fortunate an elderly lady was complaining to say that she doesn't have a computer much less WhatsApp. Well, I'm sorry to say, and we were ha having this discussion earlier. I think that's when this message came in, that unfortunately, um, you know, you will be missing out on a lot, folks, if you don't have access to the internet. You know, we, we need to ensure that there is um, internet penetration where you can get it, which I think on this island it's accessible. Whether or not you can afford it is probably a different question, but at least it's available. And there are plans for people's phones where they can put it, you know, put a plan on their phones and stuff like that as well. But if you don't know how to use these features, uh, I hate to tell you, but more and more, you're actually going to be left behind in the world. And that's anywhere you go, like everything, you know, online check-in, online shopping, online banking um, is all very much a thing. And it's all, uh, you know, part of the world that we live in. And I get that the older generation might have some issues, but this is where the younger people in their lives, grandchildren and children, have to be prepared to offer them some assistance because they're, they're going to need it um, to get access to not just winning money, but all sorts of services. So 17 years already. Wow. Ms. Brenda says, yes, a 50 plus old unvaccinated male in Texas who had already survived the coronavirus and picked up Omicron passed away. So this is what we know about Omicron, folks. Um, this is the, the real reality of the situation is that um, you have no protection, basically, even if you have previously had it. So this concept of natural immunity doesn't exist. 
as uh, especially not with Omicron. So this this particular virus has a number of um, significant mutations. And so when you think, oh, I've already had Delta, I'll be fine. I've already had the Alpha variant, I'll be fine. The truth of the matter is you have no natural protection um, because it just, it just, you don't, <laughs> you know? Now, let me show you guys something. I wanted to share this yesterday and we simply ran out of time. And we were talking about on yesterday's show, Mr. Miles, I saw a lot of people defending this decision um, to keep him on a board. I want to share one thing with you guys, because there was a lot more that we could have said that we simply didn't say. And, you know, I stick by my position that there has to be another way to help um, a 70 year old man in the community who has made a poor choice uh, in his 60s to try to defraud people and take advantage of his position. Um, and, um, you know, there are consequences to pay. But have a look at this. Somebody sent me this. I'm trying to verify this. This is your nomination form that you sign when you're going to be put on a committee. Look at number C. It says that you've not been convicted in the Cayman Islands or elsewhere of any offense involving dishonesty, fraud, or any offense that is likely to bring the office into disrepute. Here's the thing, folks. You see how this concept of dishonesty, fraud, theft continues to come up all the time when it comes to government boards, elected officials? because that is how seriously that type of offense is. It also says that you've not been adjudicated bankrupt. So people who are um, being appointed to boards, they have to sign this. And so my question becomes, did he actually sign this document to get put on this, on this board? Because if he did, then we know that that's a bold faced lie. We got, we got a number of problems with this appointment folks. So I'm digging a little bit deeper to see if he would have signed this document. Folks, you can't bend the rules for the people that you like. The rules apply to people whether you like them or not. Um, and at the end of the day, he's a likable fella, but there's a lot of issues here. And people, based on the social media comments, some people are willing to ignore the facts because a person is likable. And that to me is just crazy. All right. So a final note on COVID. I was reading this story the other day. Let me share this with you guys. All right. So the Omicron variant now is accounting for 73% of new cases being reported in the U.S. So now it's being considered the dominant variant. Um, this couple here, let me find the first one of the slides. This is a very interesting story. So this couple... Um, Oh, where's slide number one? Uh, all right. Uh, this young lady, these are all in the wrong area. Um, so she was, I think I'm missing a slide, actually. This young lady lives with, um, this is from the Washington Post. She lives with her husband, and they are staying... Um, in the home of the um, grandmother, I think it is. Let me see. I think I'm missing a slide. But anyway, they're living in, in the grandmother's home, folks. And this is part of her story. So their intent was to move out 
of the basement of um, his grandmother's home where they had been temporarily staying rent free so that they could raise their infant son in a place of their own and maybe even get a car and save up some money. Uh, that hasn't worked out. It's a suburban neighborhood in Maryland and it hasn't worked out because she actually caught COVID. And so COVID has um, ruined the plans for Tiffany Patino and her family because although she has survived it, she has long haul COVID. So she got sick with COVID-19 more than a year ago. And instead of getting better, she suffered from chronic exhaustion and other symptoms that have persisted, um, delaying her return to a restaurant job and swamping her uh, goal of financial independence. Poor Tiffany, at 28 years old, you can imagine, only 28. She can barely take her baby to the playground. She says, I go on a walk, and as you can see, otherwise she looks fit. I go on a walk and I have to use a stroller like a walker, she said. Whatever life I have right now, it's more like surviving. It's not living my dream. I'm living a nightmare. Her and her husband, um, again, are dealing with this. So long COVID is testing not just the medical system, but also government safety nets that are not well suited to identifying and supporting people with a newly emerging chronic disease uh, that has no established diagnostic or treatment plan. This is some of the scary stuff that you have to deal with, with COVID. So after reaching what she calls her hell adversary last month, Patino remains unable to join the workforce. It's crazy. Um, with no income of her own, she's exhausted, racked with pain, short of breath, forgetful, bloated, swollen, and depressed. Very, very sad situation, folks. And this is impacting um, millions of people around the United States of America. Some, as many as 50 million people are infected with the coronavirus, and they continue to suffer from persistent symptoms uh, with a smaller subset experiencing such unbearable fatigue and other maladies that they can't work, forcing them to drop out of the workforce. So um, folks, this is a real thing. And I think a lot of us need to keep an eye on this. Um, so uh, Ms. Brenda says this appointment still has to be, well, it, it has been approved. This is a thing that this is a done deal. This isn't a consideration for an appointment folks. The list has been gazetted. He's on the board. Here's the list. There's his name. Patricia, you let, why is it that they always put the same people on the boards all the time? Or do we not, not have enough people in the Cayman Islands? Like I said, I guess if there's this, um, uh, you know, criminality thing, maybe that's part of the reasons why so many people are not eligible. I don't know. But these are the board members. It is in the Gazette, folks, signed off on the 14th of December by the clerk of the court. So technically, it's a done deal. Mm -mm. I think this is a mistake. It really, really is. It sends the wrong message, um, folks. And it's not a message that this government can afford to be sending. There had to have been other ways to think out of the box if you're trying to help someone. This just isn't it. Uh, 
yeah, they need to do the right thing. And, you know, Ms. Mr. Edlin needs to save face here. He knows a real score. And I think that he needs to save the minister, the embarrassment of having to remove him and just step down himself, just resign. That would be the right thing to do. Ms. Brenda says that they should be aware of the declaration themselves. All right, folks, um, thank you guys so much for tuning in. I need to go sit down with my uh, grocery list and try to make a grocery run today and get most of the things that I need um, for Christmas dinner and Saturday. It's going to be a pared down um, Christmas dinner. Like I said, uh, my invitations were prepared yesterday um, to send out to friends and family, but it's, it's a very close group of individuals that will be invited over. I'll make my usual brownies and all that good stuff um, that we have all come to love and enjoy. Um, last week I was talking about brownies because remember I was making some for um, uh, someone's birthday. And so I decided to do a peanut butter brownie option and child, that took, that took the cake. The peanut butter brownies were hit. And uh, there was someone who's listening to the program. She's like, how can I buy some brownies from me? I'm like, girl, you're not going to buy no brownies from me. So um, uh, we, um, I did give them a couple pieces of brownies and they really loved the, um, the um, peanut butter ones as well. What can I tell you folks, except, you know, they're delicious. You know what is so funny though, is a lot of times I make these brownies and I hardly um, eat them myself. I don't know. There's something about when you when you're the one in there cooking. So I want to do a big shout out over the weekend. There was a beautiful um, wedding ceremony that took place in the Cayman Islands. In case you guys missed it, the lovely Melanie Bodden, um, who is now Melanie Basteo, got married. I know Miss Joy is a friend to the show, and she's always listening here. She also officiated the wedding um, of her son and his new lovely bride. I was looking at some of her pictures. Oh my gosh, the pictures are gorgeous. Uh, have a look at this, look at this. Absolutely beautiful, beautiful. There's mama officiating. I think her, the grandma's in there as well, but she's probably being hidden by this photo. Um, there's a lovely couple, absolutely gorgeous. And there she is, looks beautiful. So congratulations to Melanie. And, um, oh gosh, I'm trying to remember which basket, which son this is now. <laughs> this is, ooh, ooh, Brett. So congratulations to Brett Basteo and, uh, Melanie on their lovely wedding. They actually had it at the Ritz and I understand it was the first function, um, at the Ritz. So... Uh, very, very happy for them. We love people who are in love and, um, you know, they look absolutely gorgeous and we wish them all of the happiness in the world. So again, um, congratulations. Yeah, very nice. All right, lovely folks. Um, do have yourselves a beautiful day. Get out there on the roadway. I see a little bit of cloud coverage. So I don't know. It looks like we might get some rain. Um, please be safe on the roadways as we enter into the last few days of Christmas. 
there's absolutely no reason to um, be crazy about anything on the roadways. So make sure that you go out there. I saw in the paper yesterday that the um, that the uh, what are they called? The um, promoters of this event over the weekend they continue to hunker down in their lies. They they did an interview the Compass where they claim. Um, they claim to um you know oh they didn't get noticed and other people knew before they that's a bunch of baloney y'all need to stop lying this was a very contrived situation to try to take no responsibility to have to, have to refund people their money and this is quite a serious allegation that i'm making but i believe it 100 percent. and given the time frame of everything that has transpired um it seems like they well knew ahead of the start of their event and they just decided to proceed regardless of having that information. Uh, someone then commented, well, how do we know that they got a phone call? Listen, the point isn't how we knew. The point is they had a phone call and they pretend like they didn't know. And that's called being a bold faced liar. Okay. And so I've had a, a number of people message me saying, how do I get my money back? And um, honey child, all I can tell you is, um, unfortunately, with people like this, you ain't going to get your money back. And this is why when you promote uh, certain, not promote, when you support certain, um, you know, businesses and certain ventures, you have to know that you're taking a risk. And I said this, I think the day before yesterday, but... In these COVID times, there's always always a risk <coughs> for large events. I don't know why y'all want to go to large events anyway, but um, you do take a risk. And so I've had people messaging me. One guy says, I saw an article um, about the rubber dub thing. And in the article, it says approvals were received in advance of Saturday, uh, he said. And when the premier, Wayne Panton, announced the removal of the partitioned allowance for venues, and reverting back to the 250 person restriction, uh, he adjusted the event. I was not able to get into the event and I was not offered a refund. So how would he have adjusted the event for 500 people that was allowed before uh, that he said he had gotten approval for down to 250? Lies. I also don't know where um, he said 250 would be refunded. If he got approval, for 500 and the approval was removed Thursday, uh, why weren't the extra 250 refunded? And how, uh, how else would the event have been adjusted? I don't believe this is right. And this seems like a scam and lies on the news. Well, you're not the only one who thinks that this is a scam. Believe me, you. I think the people uh, for that event um, have been scammed. Mm-mm-mm. I don't know. So, Ms. Sue, yes, that was the lovely Melanie and Brett Vasteo. So, congratulations to them. Yeah, folks, y'all been scammed, all right. You better go talk to um, subject about getting your money back. Uh, Ms. Sue says, all younger people want to party at Christmas. Not easy at all. They want to party no matter the time of day, year, whatever. They just love the party life. And a lot of them are not all that young because Cedric has got to be in his 40s by now. 
they still trying to be Peter Pan. They want to be young forever by partying into the wee hours. But you know what? It's a lucrative business, folks. Uh, these promoters make money. That's why every Tom, Dick, and um, Siobhan, not, let me not say Siobhan. Um, let me pick another name. That's another popular name out of Jamaica. What is the most popular name? I don't know, whatever. Uh, all of them want to be promoters. I wanted to throw in a female name because there's a couple of female promoters out there as well. They all uh, want to be promoters, folks, because the truth of the matter is there is money to be made in the promotion business. That's why they're in it. Mm -mm. This lady is a little bit late to the party. Anyway, I need to go check a few emails. Um, folks, y'all have a beautiful day. And we will see you here um, tomorrow, Christmas Eve Eve. Uh, so, yes, um, looking forward to Christmas Day. I don't know about y'all, but my Christmas tree is ready. Excited. See you guys tomorrow morning. Thank you for tuning in to another edition of The Cold Hard Truth. Make sure to check Facebook for showtimes and more information and the latest news at caymanmarlroad.com. Subscribe to our IG and Facebook pages to get the latest happenings.